Hello and welcome to episode 156 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It's my pleasure to be with you. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Monday, April 11th, 2022, and we're going to conclude the talk which was given by Mr. John Venari. May he rest in peace the former head of Catholic Family News. This was available at the Fatima Center's website at Fatima.org. It's a a bit of an edited version of a talk that he gave on October 13th, 1999. It was the 82nd anniversary of the Miracle of the Sun. And he's talking about a worldview based on Fatima. So we're going to go through the conclusion of that. I find it very intriguing. Mr. Venari was an ardent Catholic um, and a loyal son of the church. This next segment begins with the five first Saturdays. Mr. Venari says, before I move into the next section that deals with the five first Saturdays, I want to make an observation. There is a tendency today in the light of what we could call ecumenical sensitivities to play down hardline Catholic truths for the sake of an ecumenical orientation. This new idea says that in dealing with non-Catholics, we should not concentrate so much on things that divide us, but let's put them aside and concentrate on those things that unite us. By contrast, we see that this is not the approach that our Blessed Mother took at Fatima. Our Lady recognized that her first duty is to teach the truth. And Our Lady, by emphasizing the rosary, by emphasizing devotion to her Immaculate Heart, by emphasizing the brown scapular, by emphasizing purgatory, by emphasizing the authority of the papacy, by emphasizing the sacrament of confession, by emphasizing the Holy Eucharist as the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, Our Lady is emphasizing those very points that divide Catholics from Protestants, and that divide Catholics from every other religion on the face of the earth. Can any of us claim that in our approach, we know better than the mother of God? And not only does the message of Fatima emphasize those points that divide us, but it explains clearly that in the objective order, those people who do not believe these truths, and especially those people who refuse to give her the honor that is due her, are guilty of the crime of blasphemy. Our Lord taught this in a delicate but firm manner when he explained the five first Saturdays of reparation. The five Saturdays devotion to Our Lady was not something new. It was not an innovation. Again, in calling for the five first Saturdays, Our Lady was showing profound respect for tradition. In 1892, Pope Leo XIII granted to all the faithful a plenary indulgence to those who devoted 15 consecutive Saturdays in honor of Our Lady of the Rosary. Later on, Pope St. Pius X granted a plenary indulgence to all who would perform the 12 first Saturdays in honor of Our Lady. Further, on June 13, 1912, Pope St. Pius X granted new indulgences to the faithful who performed the devotion of reparation to Our Lady on the first Saturdays of the month. And five years later, to the day, on June 13, 1917, Our Lady showed to the three children of Fatima her immaculate heart surrounded by thorns that seemed to pierce it, which demanded reparation. 
and calling for the five first Saturdays, Our Lady took a traditional devotion, simplified it, and gave it a greater efficacy. On December 10, 1925, when Lucy was an 18-year-old postulant in Pontevedra, Our Lady and the child Jesus appeared to her. Our Lord said, Have compassion on the heart of your most holy mother, covered with thorns, with which ungrateful men pierce it at every moment, and there is no one to make an act of reparation to remove them. The child Jesus is concerned about these sins against his mother. Then our blessed mother said to Lucy, Look, my daughter, at my heart, surrounded with thorns, with which ungrateful men pierce me at every moment by their blasphemies and ingratitude. You at least try to console me and announce in my name that I promise to assist at the moment of death with all the graces necessary for salvation, all those who on the first Saturday of five consecutive months shall confess, receive Holy Communion, recite five decades of the rosary, and keep me company for 15 minutes while meditating on the 15 mysteries of the rosary with the intention of making reparation to me. Later, Sister Lucy's confessor, Father Goncalves, directed Sister Lucy to ask Our Lady some questions regarding the five first Saturdays. One of the questions he asked was, why five Saturdays and not nine or seven in honor of the sorrows of Our Lady? During the revelation of Our Lord at Tui, on May 29, 1930, Sister Lucy asked that question. This was the response given her by heaven. My daughter, the reason is simple. There are five types of offenses and blasphemies committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. One, blasphemies against the Immaculate Conception. Two, blasphemies against her perpetual virginity. Three, blasphemies against her divine maternity in refusing at the same time to recognize her as the mother of men. Four, the blasphemies of those who publicly seek to sow in the hearts of children indifference or scorn or even hatred of this Immaculate Mother. Five, the offenses of those who outrage her directly in her holy images. Hence, this is what I mean when I say that indirectly and in the objective order, our Lord has accused those who are members of non-Catholic religions as being guilty of blasphemy against Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. Let's look at these five offenses again. Number one. Blasphemies against the Immaculate Conception. Most Protestants, as well as most of the Eastern Orthodox, do not believe in the Immaculate Conception. And of course, neither do Jews, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, Freemasons, Communists, Socialists, Secular Humanists, etc. Number two, blasphemies against her perpetual virginity. Again, this indicts most Protestants, Jews, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, the vast majority of which do not believe in her perpetual virginity. In fact, Many, quote, Catholics today do not believe in her perpetual virginity. Three, blasphemies against her divine maternity and refusing at the same time to recognize her as the mother of men. Of course, we know that Muslims, Jews, Hindus, Buddhists reject this teaching, especially because they do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. And our Lord warned, no one comes to the Father but through me. Number four, the blasphemies of those who publicly seek to sow in the hearts of children indifference or scorn or even hatred of this Immaculate Mother. Again, this is the state of Protestants, Jews, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, and most other false religions. Members of these religions will teach their children to attach no importance to Our Lady and to Her Immaculate Heart. Notice, too, that this is not something of little importance in Our Lord's eyes. He calls it blasphemy, and he calls upon Catholics to get on their knees and make reparation for these great sins. There are thorns in Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. Number five, the offenses of those who outrage her directly in her holy images. This includes those who would actually destroy her images 
or ridicule them, or those Protestants who accuse Catholics of idolatry for having statues of Our Lady in places of honor in their homes, as well as being a call to penance, this is an indictment against all non-Catholic religions. And let me just briefly add here, over the last couple of years, especially when we had uh, rioting in America, statues of the Blessed Mother, statues of Jesus, churches were desecrated, statues vandalized and broken. This is very serious stuff. This is a violation against the first commandment. And Jesus being the perfect son is not going to tolerate it. Let us continue with what Mr. Venari has to say. Thus, our Lord is not taking the modern ecumenical approach. He is not emphasizing those points that unite us with false religions. He is emphasizing those points that divide us from non-Catholics. By doing so, I believe our Lord is telling us that these points are far more important than any superficial ecumenical unity. He is emphasizing that these blasphemies against Our Lady's Immaculate Heart are not to be taken lightly. They are, in fact, sins against faith. Tradition of Reparation At this point, I want to return to a point that I made earlier. Our Lady of Fatima, in everything she did, showed a profound respect for tradition and that the five first Saturdays was, and still is, a traditional devotion. Of course, doctrinally, Our Lady was not teaching anything new. In fact, she was most obedient to the First Vatican Council, which taught as an article of faith, de fide, that the meaning of sacred doctrine cannot change. Vatican I taught, the meaning of sacred dogmas, which must always be preserved, is that which our Holy Mother the Church has determined. Never is it permissible to depart from this in the name of a deeper understanding. So whether it is the doctrine of purgatory, whether it is the doctrine of the Holy Eucharist, whether it is the doctrine of confession, whether it is the defined doctrine that there is only one true church outside of which there is no salvation, Vatican I taught that the meaning of these doctrines can never change. And we see that Our Lady was completely faithful to this. Further, at Fatima, Our Lady demonstrates her continuity with the special revelations given by heaven to the church in the 19th century. Whether it be her appearances at Lourdes, at La Salette, or Our Lord's manifestations to Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre in France in the 1840s, it is all the same urgent message. When Our Lady came to Lourdes in 1858, she cried out, Do penance, make reparation. When Our Lady came to La Salette in 1846, she pleaded, Do penance, make reparation. And she warned at La Salette that France would be punished primarily for two sins. For sins against the profanation of Sundays, sins against the third commandment, and for taking God's name in vain, sins against the second commandment. This also corresponds in a very special way to the revelations approved by the church given by our Lord to Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre in the 1840s. Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre was a Carmelite nun in France who died in her early 20s, a fascinating story that we do not have time to cover in detail. In these messages, like Fatima, our Lord called for the great need for reparation. And our Lord in particular called for reparation to his holy face. Our Lord gave to Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre a special prayer called the Golden Arrow to repair, to repair blasphemy, which I'll recite for you in a moment. And on November 24, 1843, our Lord said to Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre, The earth is covered with crimes. The violation of the first three commandments of God has irritated my father. The holy name of God is blasphemed, second commandment. 
and the holy days of the Lord are profaned, third commandment. These crimes fill up the measure of iniquities. These sins have risen unto the throne of God and provoked his wrath, which will soon burst forth if his justice be not appeased. At no time have these crimes reached such a pitch. This is the 1840s, what we consider the good old days. Everything is far worse now. During these revelations, our Lord asked that an association of reparation to the holy face be formed, and he also dictated the prayer, the golden arrow, for reparation against blasphemy. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most mysterious and unutterable name of God be praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and in hell by all God's creatures, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. At that time, one of the greatest promoters of this devotion to the Holy Face was the holy man of Tours, Leo Dupont, who hung a large picture of the Holy Face in his parlor, before which burned holy oil. So many miracles were worked in the parlor of Leo Dupont that blessed Pope Pius IX called Dupont the wonder worker of the 19th century. Now, Our Lady of Fatima is following tradition, this unchanging, urgent call for reparation. And the revelations of our Lord to Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre call not only for reparation against the Second and Third Commandments, as did Our Lady of La Salette, but also calls for reparation for sins against the First Commandment. We know the First Commandment is, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have strange gods before me. And our traditional Catholic theology tells us that sins against faith, especially the sin of heresy, are sins against the first commandment. Hence, we are called upon not to smile on and become chummy with the false creeds of non-Catholics, but we are called to get on our knees and make reparation for these sins against the faith, these sins against the first commandment, these sins of heresy that produce the five blasphemies against the Immaculate Heart of Mary, were enunciated by our Lord at Tui on May 29, 1930. Fatima versus the Spirit of Assisi. So, in conclusion, I believe that heaven wants the message of Our Lady of Fatima to be central to our worldview. Anything that happens in the church or in the world, we will judge as good or bad, adequate or inadequate, on the basis of whether it is in conformity with Our Lady's words at Fatima or not. At Fatima, she reinforced key doctrines of the faith, and she focused on those points of doctrine that divide us from non-Catholics to demonstrate that truth is most important. She also instructed us, especially through the five first Saturdays, and in conformity to the revelations given at Lourdes, La Salette, and to Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre, of the need to get on our knees and make reparation for the sins of men, particularly for the sins against faith that are part and parcel of non-Catholic creeds, especially in regard to her Immaculate Heart. She did not teach any new doctrine, nor any modernized understanding of doctrine that would cause us to reinterpret Catholic teaching any way differently, excuse me, from the way it has been taught for 2,000 years. She told us that world peace will come only by obeying her request of the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, not by Catholics joining with false religions in interreligious prayers for peace, religions which she claims are blaspheming her by their disbelief. In fact, and this is sad to say, at the great prayer meeting at Assisi in 1986, when Catholics prayed in public with false religions for the cause of peace, the Holy Rosary was not prayed at all. 
This despite the fact that the rosary is the specific prayer given by Our Lady as a condition for peace. Likewise, on that day, the Immaculate Heart of Mary was neither honored nor invoked. This is a radical departure from the plan, from the plan given by Our Lady. In fact, I believe these interreligious assemblies will not only fail to produce any good fruit, but may actually be a cause for great chastisement. And I say this not on my own authority, but on the authority of one of the most eminent cardinals of the 20th century, the great Cardinal Mercier of Belgium. In 1918, just one year after the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima, the great Cardinal Mercier stated that the First World War was actually a punishment for the crime of men placing the one true religion on the same level as false creeds, which is precisely what these new pan-religious meetings do in stark contradiction to 2,000 years of Catholic teaching. In a 1918 pastoral letter, letter entitled The Lesson of Events, Cardinal Mercier said, In the name of the gospel... And in the light of the encyclicals of the last four popes, Gregory Sixteenth, Pius IX, Leo Thirteenth, and Pius X, I do not hesitate to affirm that this indifference to religions, which puts on the same level the religion of divine origin and the religions invented by men in order to include them in the same skepticism, is the blasphemy which calls down chastisement on society far more than the sins of individuals and families. Hence, we see that Cardinal Mercier's statements are in perfect continuity with the consistent teaching of the popes throughout the centuries and in perfect harmony with a worldview based on Fatima. So I will close with what I said earlier. Just the way that the great miracle of October 13, 1917, especially with the sun dancing in the sky and then plummeting toward the earth, was so spectacular that it was impossible to take your eyes off of it. Likewise, the Fatima message itself is of such magnitude, such importance, such centrality, that we must never take our eyes off of Fatima, never take our eyes off of Our Ladies, and never allow ourselves to be distracted from her in any way whatsoever. And let us conclude by honoring the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph with this prayer by Bishop Athanasius Schneider. Oremos. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Prayer for the hastening of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. O Immaculate Heart of Mary, Holy Mother of God and our tender Mother, look upon the distress in which the whole of mankind is living due to the spread of materialism, godlessness, and the persecution of the Catholic faith. In our own day, the mystical body of Christ is bleeding from so many wounds caused within the church by the unpunished spread of heresies, the justification of sins against the sixth commandment, the seeking of the kingdom of earth rather than that of heaven, the horrendous sacrileges against the most holy Eucharist, especially through the practice of communion in the hand and the Protestant shaping of the celebration of the Holy Mass. Amidst these trials appeared the light of the consecration of Russia to thine immaculate heart by the Pope in union with the world's bishops. In Fatima, thou didst request the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays of the month. Implore thy divine Son to grant a special grace to the Pope that he might approve the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. May Almighty God hasten the time when Russia will convert to Catholic unity, mankind will be given a time of peace, and the Church will be granted an authentic renewal in the purity of the Catholic faith, the sacredness of divine worship, and the holiness of Christian life. O Mediatrix of all graces, O Queen of the Most Holy Rosary, and our sweet Mother, 
Turn thine eyes of mercy towards us and graciously hear this, our trusting prayer. Amen. And now for the prayer to St. Joseph, first soul in purgatory by Father Donald Calloway. St. Joseph, reigning in heaven with Jesus and Mary, intercede for the souls in purgatory. Today, in particular, I ask you to turn your gaze to the soul who is most forgotten in purgatory. This soul longs to see the face of God, O good Father. Ask the Holy Trinity to take this soul to the glory of heaven today. Remember me, St. Joseph, when I die. I beg you to be prompt in delivering me from purgatory so that I can see you, Jesus, and Mary face to face. Amen. Rigo potens, ora pronobis, sancti Joseph, terra daimonem, ora pronobis. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to this episode of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Once again, my name is Terrence M. Stanton. Please share this podcast with everyone you know, and please pray for the eternal salvation of Pope Francis. Goodbye, and God love you.